And our standard procedure, since uh, we have so uh, far to travel to make it to church, the doors will be open. And, uh, of course, Jason and Anita came great distance across the street there and, uh, and others, but uh, uh, we don't want you endangering your life to, to make it to church, but we're glad for each one that's here. And uh, let's just turn, we're going to start our journey through the Scriptures in Hebrews chapter 2. And we're going to just present uh, the faithfulness of God, just to study. Uh, oftentimes when we talk about faith, we talk about uh, faithful people and being faithful and obedient, being faithful to church attendance and, and uh, the emphasis uh, is often placed upon you and I, but uh, there are many passages of which we'll look at a few of them tonight, where the, the faithfulness of God uh, is brought out uh, in this passage. And we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17. It says, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And I'd like you to turn... Uh, to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, a, a verse, if you do not have it memorized, that you should. Uh, verse 13 of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And so what we starting out with is the promise of God's forgiveness. God is faithful. Oftentimes uh, we, we talk about our failure and our inability, but... Uh, if God gives you life, He has given you an opportunity to serve. He is that faithful high priest pertaining to the things of God. He has made one sacrifice for sins forever. And yet, if we were all to be honest, we would lift our hands once again and say, yes, we have fallen uh, to temptation, but we, we need to just review the fact that when we fail, it's not because of God. It's because of us. God is there. Um, how many times uh, are you walking up or down the stairs and you'll slip a little bit and you don't have a hold of the handrail? Bad things can happen. And if we'll just ask God to help us to remember his faithfulness. He is faithful to forgive us our sins. He is faithful to uh, uh, 1 John 1, 9. He is faithful to 
provide a means of escape. He is that faithful high priest because he's already paid the price for all sin forever. And he wants us to remember these things. And so let's, as we walk through life, let's ask God to make us mindful that he is there. This is what it means in the Lord's Prayer Lead us not into temptation. God will never lead you into temptation. What we're asking God to do is to keep us in the hour of temptation. It's just a poetic uh, expression uh, uh, or way to express that thought and to keep us from that. Now, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And uh, people often said about the books of Peter, Peter talks uh, about suffering. And uh, we have the promise of forgiveness, but we also have the promise of victory over suffering in this life. Let's look at verse 19. It says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing, as unto a faithful Creator. Oftentimes, when bad things come our way, when difficulties uh, are, are pushed in our direction, what do we do? Dear God, why are you doing this? No, God is not doing something to you. The Bible says that if we are suffering according to the will of God, now that we got to get conditioned first. Uh, if you decide to go play in traffic uh, and get run over by a car, that suffering is not according to the will of God. Amen. Uh, that's not the way God planned it. But if we are by serving Him and living for Him, uh, not doing the best we can, but doing the best He can, if God makes us walk through that valley of the shadow of death, if God calls upon us to suffer as we are serving Him, just like God is already there in the hour of temptation, just like God has already paid the debt, He is the faithful Creator. Oftentimes, we, if we're not careful, we will think of God less than we ought to. The Bible says that when we are suffering, when we are going through this difficult time, we need to commit the keeping of their souls to Him. How? Do you read that there? In well-doing. I mean, this ties in with so many verses in the Bible, but we talk about the laws of reaping and sowing. When I've watched people get mad at God and start doing wrong things, like they're going to somehow hurt God or spite God or get even with God for allowing these things to come into their life. And then about the time they get their heart right and they get back on the right path, those bad things that they planted, then they reap them. And it's almost like getting clobbered for doing what's right. Well, God, I finally confess my sins and I'm doing what's right. Whoa, wait a minute. Here's how we do that. We commit ourselves 
we commit the keeping of our souls unto God as a faithful creator, I'm just going to keep doing right. I'm going to keep doing those things that the Bible tells me to do. I'm going to commit myself because my Creator is faithful. You see, I often word it this way on purpose. God is always interested in what is in His best interest. God is always interested in what is in His best interest. But you know what the absolute best thing that can happen to you is? What God wants. Amen? God cannot want anything less than what is best. Can we say amen to that? Even the few of us that are here? And so when we come through these difficult times, we must first grant God to be faithful, and that He will keep us. You know, so, so many times we, we lose our way because we let go. We begin to accuse God of being anything less than, something less than good. But the promise of God's goodness and the promise of His faithfulness He is there. God cannot be unfaithful. We sure can. And so let's go to 1 Thessalonians now. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And here Paul is just finishing his warnings. And and he, he often does this, just gives a great big list of all of these things. And um, uh, verse 24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Now, let's go back to verse 23 to find out exactly what he's talking about. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. You know, God gave us many promises. As the disciples walked with Jesus outside the city of Jerusalem, up on top of the Mount of Olives there, and Jesus gave what we call the Great Commission and then ascended into heaven The disciples were standing there with their mouths open, just looking, and the angel said, listen, he's coming back. Now, that promise was made about 33 A.D., where uh, all my life I've heard preachers say, well, it's almost 2,000 years. Well, that was 40 years ago. Uh, But now we're really, really close. We're... we're, uh, 18, 15 years, 14 years, until it's actually 2,000 years since that promise was made. God says, I am going to be faithful. There's a lot of living. There's a lot of lifetimes that have passed. And as Paul was giving these last uh, instructions to the Thessalonian church here in the first letter he wrote 
He said, the very God of peace sanctify you holy. That means completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's an awful lot of saints that have gone on before us. But the same God that was faithful for the Apostle Paul is faithful for us. I was uh, talking with someone in a discipleship and and, uh, they brought up a, a question that had... Uh, been presented to them, of course, out of context and out of the biblical realm of truth, but there was a difference between the gospel of the circumcision to the Jews and the gospel of the uncircumcision to the Gentiles. And, And no, the message is the same. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I got one. Thank you, Jason. Uh, The message is the same. It's the audience that's different. You see, the Jewish people had been studying the Old Testament all their lives for generations. They knew who the Messiah was. They needed to understand that not only was he coming to be the king of Israel, he was coming to be the priest. And as the priest, he had to sacrifice himself. And he will come back and fulfill all of the promises about his kingship. But God has promised to stick with us and keep us. If you look around in this world, it looks like we're losing, doesn't it? I mean, it looks like the bad guys are in control. Uh, I mean, on every... Uh, who was it? Was Rachel just told me that they legalized recreational marijuana in Oklahoma, of all places. Uh, you know, and one of the things that I just never have understood is the places where marijuana is used are uh, all over the place. Most frequently are the same places where the opioid deaths are the greatest. Do you think there might be a correlation there? If you're going to use illegal drugs, if you're going to seek that kind of uh, 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 alteration to your reality, you're not going to stop with marijuana. You're going to experiment with all these other things, and you're going to die. But as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, my God is faithful. He's there. He's not going anywhere. He has not changed the same gospel message that Paul preached to the Galatians. I have the privilege of preaching in New York City today. The message has not changed. God is faithful. You know, people are always looking to improve upon the Bible. They're always, I always get so frustrated when someone calls up and says, well, we, uh, I got a call this week. Some, uh, we're, we're here to heal the city. And, and we want all the churches to come. And, and uh, uh, I just said, well, um, I said, our, our church does not participate in uh, any ecumenical meetings. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, 
uh, and I, I just caught myself. I said, do you know what ecumenical means? She said, no. Uh, and I said, oh, okay, let me, let me start over. Uh, I said, the word ecumenical is when we, when we forget our differences in our religions and we get all the different religions to come together to try to do something together. Oh, I said, we don't participate in that at all. Oh, well, I'm sorry to bother you. And uh, hangs up, but you're not going to heal the city by getting all the religious people in the city to sit, sit in a room and sing Kumbaya, uh, if you're old enough to remember that song. Uh, that is not healing. Healing is when we get forgiveness that comes directly from and through the ministry of Jesus Christ. Amen. Healing is when we can deal with our sufferings without having to have psychotropic drugs and, and mental institutions and all of this. We can commit ourselves to a faithful Creator. And we do not need to be discouraged. We can keep our faith in Jesus Christ because He called us and He will do what? He will conform us to the image of Christ. Now, when I look in the mirror and think about my life, I go, wow, God, you've got an awful lot of work to do to get me there. But He's the one that's got to do the work, not me. Amen? He's the one that is faithful, and He's going to do that. And, and we read Second Timothy chapter 2, and let's just go there uh, tonight. Second Timothy chapter 2. It says here in uh, uh, verse 10, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer... We shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have a promise here. That God did not save me because of me. He saved me because of Him. Now we know that. But we need to be... Reminded that there is a connection. We, Paul is talking here in the verses previous to verse 13 that there is a, a suffering, but there's a promise that we're going to be exalted with Him. We're going to reign with Him. There is a, a promise that if my mind fails, 
He's not going to become unfaithful. God is not interested in me as long as I can be profitable to him. There was never anything in me that was profitable in the first place. God is faithful. He, even if my mind stops working and I let go of these things, and and this happens sometimes in people's lives, but we need to challenge that we've got some words to strive about. That's what Sunday morning sermon was about, to earnestly contend uh, for the faith. But there's an awful lot of things that don't do any good to argue about. Uh, I thought someone was joking when they talked about the uh, debate on how many angels could dance on the head of a pin. But there are actually volumes in medieval libraries written by monks debating the question. And on about 20 years ago or something, some smart apple went through the Bible and he says, There is no reference in the Bible to angels dancing. Therefore, the real answer to that question is angels don't dance. Therefore, no angels can dance on the head of the pin. And immediately, the conversation went to, well, how many angels can stand on the head of a pin? Uh, And I mean, these are, quote-unquote, educated people who sit around and actually write things about this foolishness. The Bible says don't, don't get caught up in that. Uh, and don't go home and Google it, please. Uh, uh, there, there's enough foolishness out there. What we need to be interested in is study to show thyself approved unto God. You know, God is going to examine us, the Bible says. He's going to call us into an account. And we need to study. We need to understand. There is, there is something here that God wants us to have. He wants us to have a knowledge of His Word. He wants us to be a workman that is not ashamed. You go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And the Bible tells us that our works are going to be tried by fire. That the building blocks is gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. There are some people that God is going to apply the fire of His divine judgment to the works of our life, and the angel's going to be getting out a magnifying glass. I, I, I found one. A little speck of something worthwhile. I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be said of me. How about you? The Bible says that God is faithful. He cannot deny himself. But while I have my reason, while I have my ability, I need to be studying the things that are going to help me live for God each and every day till he comes back. We have the promise of his forgiveness. He is the faithful high priest. He is faithful. 
and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. We have the promise of victory in suffering. If we are suffering by the will of God, we can trust ourselves, our souls, to His keeping as unto a faithful Creator. His power is magnified in this world in which we live. It never fails me to the extent the mind of man goes to make up enemies and challenges to mankind. And, uh, of course, that's where Superman and all of these comic book characters came from, is man trying to substitute uh, a savior. And when men are no longer a challenge, now we have aliens from outer space. And and, uh, when they're no longer a challenge, then we make up new things. And and, uh, really, the, uh, the truth is, we have a promise of the faithful Creator keeping us. We have the promise that our life is not just to be lived. That God will cleanse us. He will preserve us. Not just our soul, uh, but our body, our soul, our spirit. He will preserve all blameless until the day of Jesus Christ. And even if my mind stops working, He abideth faithful. Now let's turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 19. We're going to look at verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now, this is talking about the battle of Armageddon. The heaven is going to be opened. Jesus is going to come back. The armies of the world will be assembled there in the valley of Jehoshaphat. It was uh, just uh, uh, that runs from uh, the Sea of Galilee, that entire plain there. It's about a hundred um, I'm getting my math all wrong here, but that plain uh, of uh, uh, just south of the uh, uh, of the Sea of Galilee is a huge flat area there. Napoleon once stood over that battlefield and looked down upon it, and he said, "It is the most perfect battlefield in the world." And uh, Napoleon, though he was a stranger to Jesus Christ from everything we understand, he was no stranger to the Scriptures. And uh, said uh, many th- understood that the battle of Armageddon would be fought there, only he thought he might be the Savior that was fighting the battle to save the world. A little misconceived there, but uh, he, he found out, and actually Napoleon died a very young man of a broken heart because... No one else but he understood 
how great a man he was. And uh, that is a tragedy when someone puts themselves in that situation. But I will tell you this. The Bible tells us the armies of the world are going to come across the Euphrates Valley and down into the land of Israel. The Antichrist or the beast will have set his kingdom up in Jerusalem and those armies will be converging to determine who is going to be in charge. And just as that battle is about to commence, he that is faithful and true is going to show up. And the warring armies that were going to war against each other are going to unite in battle against Jesus Christ. Sounds like a sci-fi movie, doesn't it? Well, I wonder who copied who. Amen? Uh, The Bible was around a lot longer than Marvel Comics and DC Comics. They always copy the truth, but it says that he is faithful, that he is true. His name is faithful. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but him. He himself... And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is the faithful and true. He is coming back. Look at chapter 22 and verse 6. It says, And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Now we have to understand the Bible in its context. We just finished talking uh, about nearly 2,000 years. The book of Revelation was written right about uh, 100 A.D. And so the book of Revelation is uh, just a little over 1,900 years old. And yet, here's the promise by he that is called faithful and true, that these things must be done shortly. Now, we have to allow the Bible to define shortly, because a thousand years, 1900 years, is not shortly in our understanding of time now, is it? And yet, how many have misquoted that verse out of Second Peter, a thousand, uh, a thousand years is a day, and a day is as a thousand years with the Lord? Well, we haven't even gotten through two days yet. That's a short time period now, isn't it? If you let the Bible define itself, we'll find out these, these things, and, and we'll understand that God is faithful, even though He has waited all of these years. He said He will keep us. And we go back to chapter 21 in verse 5. And let's just look here. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I 
make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. We have the promise of forgiveness, the promise of victory over sufferings, the promise of life, but we also have the promise of eternity. Jesus is coming. Amen. And he that is faithful and true is going to destroy the world system. And he is going to make all things new. And if we follow and understand in our Bible, that comes after the great white throne judgment where God judges all of the dead. And the first and the second resurrection are are now uh, complete. And he's going to make a new heaven. And a new earth. And in God's mind, these things are going to be done shortly. Now, how much shorter is it 1900 years after the book was written than before? And uh, it's interesting to read uh, after some of the uh, uh, the history and uh, every... uh, 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 one of the uh, Protestants that uh, left the Catholic Church. It's amazing. They all point their finger at the Pope and said, He's the Antichrist. And yet, not a one of them refused the baptism that the Antichrist Church gave them. I don't know about you, but that makes me just stop and think a moment. And almost every history book chases, traces its history through the Orthodox and the Catholic Church, I'm telling you, we don't. We trace our history through this book right here. You know why? Because he's faithful. And he allowed the Apostle Paul to live his life and to die as God had set it up. And we preach the same message today. We assemble our church in the same way that he did. Now, we have a few things the Apostle Paul did not have. We have computers and we have electric lights and we have a church building and all of these things. And we thank the Lord for those things. But that's not what makes church. It's he that is faithful. And he's coming. And we need to... Not get discouraged with all the rotten things that are happening in our world. And we also need to be careful. I I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would be saying, I like President Trump. I, I just never occurred to me. Because how many of you remember when he tried to run for, uh, what was it, mayor or governor? Governor of New York State, I think it was, several years ago. And everybody just laughed at him. No one even considered that this guy would be a serious contender. In fact, right up until the month of the election, everybody was laughing that Donald Trump was going to lose, and he didn't. Now they're screaming, and they're pulling their hair out, and they're chewing on their nails, and, and he's actually doing some very good things. 
You need to pray for that man. And yet, is it not an indictment of our society as a whole that a man like Donald Trump would be the best among his peers? You, you follow my reasoning on that? I mean, this man does not have a stellar past in any stretch of the imagination. Casinos and beauty pageants and all of these things, they're, they're just not good. And yet, when he stands among the peers of those who would lead this country, wow. So let's not get too excited about the good things. Let's pray and praise the Lord for every good thing that happens. But let's keep our attention on he that is faithful. And all God's people said, Amen? Let's pray.